The following audio is from our sermon series titled, The Whole Story, Genesis to Revelation. For more information about Harvest City Church, please visit our website at harvest.city. So I pre- we're in John 17 this morning. Um, funny thing, I preached John 17 uh, last month over a three-week period of time. And he was like, hey, man, you got one week, whole book. I was like, man, we're going to be there all day. But I promise we're going to be there all day. It'll be really, really uh, short, sweet to the point. But I believe, though, talking about the topic of oneness and unity, John 17 exemplifies that big time, what it means for us to be one in Jesus, to be his people, to, to love and do life together. I mean, so John 17 has a lot of big, big, big principles. So I, I, I want to teach this first, then preach, and then we can all go to lunch somewhere and have fun together. So the big picture of John 17 is this first slide coming up right here. It is this. Christianity is a matter between the Trinity, the Trinity and the church. What belongs to the Father belongs to the Son and the Spirit. What belongs to the Son and the Spirit belongs to the Father. And we, the church, exist to be fully engulfed and caught up in the beauty and the glory of belonging and knowing God. I'll read one more time. Christianity is a marriage between Trinity and the church. What belongs to the Father belongs to the Son and the Spirit. And belongs to the Son and the Spirit belongs to the Father. And we exist to be fully engulfed and caught up in the beauty and glory of belonging to and knowing God. That is the big thesis among many theses of John 17, but that is, you will see over and over and over again, right? Like, we're called to be a part of the dance of God um, for all eternity. Um, that was God's plan from the beginning. So in John 17, give you some background information. There are things you have to understand to get what Jesus is talking about in John 17. So the first thing is, Got to understand the idea of the Trinity, the Godhead, that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They've been together for eternity. They've been doing what I call like this dance, right, where it's really like a, a, a I think I'm, I'm a guy, so it's a guy illustration, like a locker room of guys, you know, on a team, like getting real pumped up by the game. Like, hey, man, like, you know what I mean, hyped up and like, it's kind of like that between like, hey, like the Father sees the Son and goes, Father sees the Son and goes, hey, man, you're awesome. The son goes to the father, no, actually, you're awesome. The spirit goes, hey, actually, you're both awesome. Like, yeah, like, we're all awesome, right? And so from their awesomeness, their, their godness, their glory, their, their majesty, God said, like, hey, we need to, like, invite somebody into this because, like, we are really, really, really awesome. And God made the world and God made humanity to, to understand and to see and to, to glory in and appreciate and adore who God is. And to be a part of his plan for the world. So we will see over and over again, we have been called to be engulfed in completely in this beautiful uh, dance of the Trinity. Not as part of the Trinity, as a fourth person, not, I'm not saying that at all, but like as a recipient of the glory and grace of God, we exist for that. Like God loves his church. This is the bride of Christ. Like very intimate language God puts on us. So like we have been called to, we exist for the point of, for the reason of being caught up in the work and the glory of God and the work and the glory of the Trinity. So before the world begins, the Trinity, they exist eternally. And the Trinity, they agree on everything. Before the world begins, they have a plan. They say, listen, here's the game plan. We're going to do it this way. And everybody goes, yes, amen. We like it. Let's do it. And everything happens the way God wants it to happen. You have to understand the idea of eternity to understand John. 17, what Jesus will say in John 17, that, that before there was ever time, as we know it, there was God. God has no beginning. He has no end. He is Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the ending. He has been forever himself. So to understand the Trinity, understand what Christ is going to do and say, and understand the idea of eternity. And then, really important to John 17 is understanding um, God's people, the church, in contrast to the world. Those who are part of the church and those who are not identified as believers in Jesus Christ. Um, it's going to be a really important thing for us to understand and see. We look at John 17. Salvation and sin is a big thing we'll see in John 17, right? Like, it's, you have to understand, okay, sin is sin and salvation is salvation. Like, God has saved us from the bondage of sin and death, and we call that salvation. And God has done that because he loves us perfectly for all eternity. Salvation is Jesus breaking the power of sin and death taking the power of death, making a mockery of the grave, and giving us freedom to believe he is the son of the living God. 
my abbreviated teaching moment. So let's jump into John 17. Let's look at verse number one. Jesus in this moment is not teaching. He is not preaching. He's praying. So John 17 is unique to preach on because it's not a sermon or a lesson. He's actually just praying to the Father, and it's being recorded by John the Apostle, like John his disciple, right? And so to get John 17 in his context, it's not to think about an epistle or a parable or a story. It's actually Jesus in an intimate moment with his Father praying and giving God his heart. So verse 1 says this in John 17, when he had spoken these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. We'll press pause here. We'll go verse by verse. We'll do it rather quickly, though. I want us to see, number one, and think in your mind, notice how many times Jesus says, Father, 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 Father. He'll say, your son, your son, your son, your son, your son, over and over and over and over and over again as he prays, which is really important for us as we pray. So Jesus saying, God, like, Hey, man, I've taught them, like, now I, I'm, I'm coming to you and I'm praying to you. And so I want to, like, give this, this thought for a moment. Like, there, there's a time to talk, right? Jesus, he's taught, he's taught and taught and taught and taught and taught over, all over the Bible, right? When there's a, a time for prayer, where Jesus goes, hey, like, like I've taught, but now I'm going to just pray. Like, I've said enough, I'm going to pray. And he's praying because what he's going to pray for, you'll see in a minute, he knows, like, his life's about to end really quickly. And he's like, hey, I can't, like, just leave it up to the church to do the right thing and be the church. I got to give them over to my father for his protection, his grace, his guidance, so that when I'm gone, right, they can still be led into what they're called to do and called to be. So Jesus is praying because, one, he needs as a man in this moment to pray, and, two, because he knows, like, hey, we need him to pray for us in this Moment. So in your life, in my life, man, it's a time to talk, um, time to pray, right? We learned that in our conversation. Like, hey, it's time to talk and, and hash and like, you know, uh, break it down and like hash it out. But it's time like, all right, we're going to stop talking. We're going to pray, right? At some point, like words are not enough from a human standpoint. And my prayer was the last month was like, last two months was like, all right, God, like we chopped it up. And our thing was like, at some point, I think we're pretty smart people, but like us being as smart as we can be is just human wisdom when it comes down to it, right? And just so like God, you gotta speak now. And so started praying. So time to pray, and the time to talk and time to pray. In this moment, Jesus finds himself himself praying. And over and over again, he says, Father, 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 your son, your son, your son, your son, glorify me that I may glorify you. And he'll keep going in that dance again as he prays this prayer. Um, verse number two says this. Um, verse numbers two through six, uh, pretty much say like the whole book says, like, um, Everything that Jesus does is never void of God's purpose. Everything Jesus does ever when in his life, in ministry, in your life now, or he will do, is never void of the purpose of God. No matter how it feels, how much it hurts, or how great it might be, right? He always does, the Spirit always does, and all like, what is the purpose and the glory of God in our life? So it says, since you've given him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to those who you've given him. So you hear it again, like to those you have Given him. He's making a distinction early on between the church and those who don't belong to Christ. Verse 3, we keep going. And this is eternal life. They may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Keep rolling. And I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you've given to me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. So again, he's tapping into his eternal goddess in that moment. Like, hey, like, I've been with you forever, and now I'm on earth away from you, and like, I want you to like, bring me back into what we had before the world began, where I was with you forever, and we were doing this dance of, you're awesome, I'm awesome, the Spirit's awesome. We were always glorifying each other. So what Jesus' heart is, what's happening now is his heart is longing for heaven, He's longing to be home. Like, he's long. He knows, like, hey, this is not my home. Like, he himself knows, like, hey, I, I want to be back with you, Father, where you, where you are. Because it's, it's better there. And he's praying this as a human, saying, God, I'm longing to be where you are with the love we had from the beginning of time. Let's keep rolling. Keep going. Verse 7. Give me verse 7. 
Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and I have come to and have come to know in the truth that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them here. Verse nine. Very clearly. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, verse nine brings a bit of uh, maybe tension. Like, Jesus, why are you praying for? The world, the church, and not the world. Um, I think at first glance, we would, it would feel like, well, he's rejecting the world this moment. He's saying, I don't care about the world this moment. He's like casting the world off and saying, forget them and just be with my exclusive, my, the, the church exclusively and like just, just focus on blessing them. It's not what he's doing here. He's not not praying. Well, he's not praying for them. He's, like, he's, he's not ignoring the world's need for prayer and love and grace and saving. He's not ignoring that at all. But in this moment, he's saying, listen, I'm focusing on, like, he's preached to everybody, right? They've heard him preach the whole, all of his town, right? Heard him preach. So he's saying, like, I, in this context, in his personal prayer, right, he's saying, I'm asking in this moment, and I'm focusing in this moment specifically on the church. Your people that you've given me, for they are yours. And we're going to see in a moment what he's going to do is he's going to say, God, like, I'm going to put them in your hands. Like, I was here. You gave them to me. I watched over them. I, I preached to them. I loved them. I healed them. I fed them. I'm going to die for them. I'm raised out of the grave for them. But I'm going to be gone. So now he's, like, ultimately saying, hey, God, I'm giving you back guardianship of the church because I physically won't be here anymore. We know the Spirit will come, right, and lead us in God. But he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going away. So, God, would you... Take this and guard it because I won't be here anymore. Key rolling in verse number 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them. There it is. Guard them. Preserve them. Guide them. Be with them. Shepherd them, right, in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. All right, first of all, this prayer, read it when you get time, like this week, like it's a super cool, like, prayer. Like, he's like, I'm like, he's a brilliant prayer. Like, he's like praying everything. It's like really cool when you look at it, right? But he's getting to the end of, end of this prayer, even in verse 11, which he's going to say, like, God, when it's all said and done, I want them to be one. I want them to be one as we are one. We'll talk about that later on, but like, that's what he's ultimately going to get to. Like, he got like, Guard them and guide them, shepherd them, be with them, keep them from the world, keep them from being, um, staying with the worldly ways, but, but also be like, God, like, keep them united, keep them together, keep them loving each other, like, because we are one, uh, so we can be one as they are one. Verse number 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me, I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, a description might be fulfilled. All right, press pause on that verse for a second. So that's kind of like, wait, you lost one? Like, how did you lose everybody but one? Well, he's talking about Judas in this moment. Uh, Judas betrayed Jesus, right? And Judas walks off. He's saying like, hey, everybody has stuck except the person that was, we knew wasn't going to stick, right? So I think the question that we've asked um, historically, like the logic, like, was Judas's decision heavenly, like ordained by God where he was forced, had no choice but to betray Jesus? Or was it humanly where it was all him the whole time and it was up to his free will? I think the answer is both, actually. God of eternity, who's not human, he's not, he's not governed by time and space, right? He knew his plan. He saw his plan. He knew how the plan would unfold, Right? And so God knew, hey, this guy, Judas, in our redemption plan, will be the one to betray and give Jesus up, right? Step into time now, we see Judas as a person. He's a greedy guy. Like, he's, like, really self-centered guy. And, like, he actively chooses, though, to, like, give up Jesus. Like, God didn't force his hand. So it's a unique dance between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man where I don't think they contradict each other, but I think in this moment, they actually perform the perfect will of God, where the heavenly and the humanly collide. I think you get God's perfect will. 
where, where God says, this is my plan and my will, and we say yes and amen, and then we get God's will. So now, another discussion later on, questions like, well, where did Judas end up? Is he in hell? Is he not in hell? Like, kind of sucks for Judas. Like, and the answer is, we don't know. You could argue that he's in heaven. You could argue he's in hell, but that's for another time together later on, right? But the point is, like, and you see, the scripture might be fulfilled. Like, it's going to happen that we might get a savior. So, wrestle through that, pray through that. But in the midst of it all, God is good. Verse 13. So now we can come to the meat of what we're going to see for a moment. So he, he's kind of like warmed up in his prayer. He's like, hey, man, I keep them. I've kept them. They're yours. They're mine. We do this dance. But now, like, in verse 13 through 19, we're going to see what it means to be a follower of Jesus and completion. Like, what it, what it means to be identified with Christ, what it means to be crucified with Christ, have Christ's life lived in our life. We're going to see exactly what he means, and we're going to say, okay, that makes perfect sense. So here's a, here's a thought. Being a disciple of Jesus is to mirror Jesus' life within your lifetime. This means what happened to Jesus will happen to us. The experience of Jesus will be our experience, and the response of Jesus must be our response. So being a disciple means to mirror Jesus' life. I, I, when you put a mirror in front of my life, you should see the life of Jesus, right? And me continuing his life within my lifetime, which means by proximity, by being a disciple, what happened to Jesus will happen to you and me. What he experienced, will experience, and how he responds, how we have to respond. Otherwise, we'll fall away. So we're going to see this. In verses number 13 and 19. And, and the beauty of it is, when you, when you hear that thought, it says to us, like, we have a high priest who knows, who empathizes what it means to walk out God's will. In the midst of a fallen, broken world, with fallen, broken systems and people, like, like he lived God's life. He lived like God called him to imperfection. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can live like God called us to and faithfulness. We're not perfect. We're going to blow it, but like we can do that faithfully, right? Through repentance and confession and like falling and giving grace, like we can live this life out. And like, it's not an easy life, church. It's not an easy life <laughs> at all. It's hard. So we're going to look at this. Verse 13. I'm coming to you, and these I, these I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 14. I've given them your word. The world has hated them. All right, let's, let's walk this slow. I've given them your word, check. The world has hated them, why? Because they are not of the world, just as what? I am of the world. Y'all see it there? So why are we hated by the world? Because we are not of the world. Why are we not of the world? Why? Because Jesus wasn't of the world. See that? So being identified with Christ means what happened to him, the world hated him, right? Means what? The world will hate us because we are in Jesus. Keep going. 14, uh, 15, whatever it is. I don't ask you to keep them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Big, 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 big principle right here. What he's saying is, I'm not asking you to, let this, like, to, uh, to, to make them dodge Satan. Like, I'm not asking you like, to let, make them avoid Satan. I'm going to ask you to, like, to let them dodge or avoid um, hardship or suffering or pain. What he's saying is I'm asking that you would not let them be overtaken by those things. Satan will attack us. Amen? He's praying when the attack comes, keep them on their feet or on their knees for that matter, right? Praying. Like keep them in their faith rock solid, trusting and believing that you are good and you are God. And don't let them move from their confession of following me and following you. He's saying, I believe, he's praying essentially, hey, what happened to Judas, please keep them from that. Judas turns his back on Jesus. Judas goes the other way, right? He's saying, God, God like, like, please like, guard them from falling away from the faith. Funny, man, he's praying, we mentioned yesterday, about deconstruction. Like, guard them from, like, going, well, 
God's not right, I'm going to go my own way. And if Jesus prays that for us, it's an important prayer, church. And if we see Jesus praying that for us, years and years ago, like, how much we pray for each other? Because Satan's still alive and well. He still wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He still wants to confuse, and he's the father of lies, right? But Jesus praying, hey, like, for us, keep them in your care because left to themselves, and they will be overtaken by sin and the way of the world and the pressure of life, which, pause for a minute, like, think about this at some point later today, tomorrow. Jesus prayed for you and for me. Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, doing what? He's not like, you know, up there like this with a, with a sweet tea in his hand, sunglasses on, flip-flops on, you know, recline on a beach vacation. He's not doing that. He's the God of all glory, all majesty, eternal God, glorified Son of God, the risen Christ, all power in his hand. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And you know what this guy's doing? He is interceding on our behalf. Hey, when it gets hard, if I die today, <laughs> and don't get a chance to come back here and see you guys, remember this one thing. When it gets hard, when it's sad, when it's slow, when it's confusing, when you're doubting, when you're afraid, when you're attacked, when you're sick, when you lose your job, when things happen to your kids, Jesus is praying for you. You are never by yourself. You're never without someone asking God on your behalf to bless and keep and encourage and protect you. Jesus Christ is praying for you and for me. He's praying for all of us, which to me is mind-blowing. And as we did this thing of, am I going to Iowa City? Am I not? He was praying for all of us. It's mind-boggling. Like, you love us that much, you would, like, take your time and pray for me? said, Peter, Peter, Satan asked me to, like, he wanted to wreck you, Peter, like, destroy you. But Peter, I pray for you. Which means, like, Peter, if I didn't pray for you, dog, you was going down. That's the Bronx translation. Like, and the same thing, man, like, our Savior prays for us. That's a beautiful thing. So he's saying, like, God, take him out of the world. Don't isolate them from the world. Don't make them become this, this, just weird people who, like, just are so different they don't understand how to live in the world. He's saying, like, no, let them be human and be in the world as light to the world, but keep them from the evil one. So Jesus is saying, don't take them out of the world, but keep them in there. We have to think now, this whole thing called life, from a spiritual standpoint, is one big battle. This is one big battle, man. Like, that's what it comes down to. Like, at your job, it, whatever's going on in, like, the flesh is one thing, but, like, above all that, this is one big battle. We're, we're in one big fight that ultimately we win because Jesus wins, right? But this is a knockout, dragout fight where the way of the world wants to take your heart and take your affection and turn it toward its stuff. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, follow hard after Jesus. Where the world says live for money and power and prestige and fame. And it's like, do you. Your life, your way, whatever you want, it's up to you. Go out and have all the fun you can have. You are your own God. It's the world is saying. And the Spirit of God is saying, no, you belong to someone. You've been bought with the price. You're in the world to proclaim the gospel to the world. That we have a Savior and a Redeemer in Jesus. Amen. So I want to give you now, to summarize these verses, um, this next slide is our life cycle as a disciple. It is our life cycle as a disciple. It's that little chart thingy, right? Perfect. If to be a disciple means to have Jesus' life mirrored in my life and your life, and to be lived out in your life and my lifetime, it means we enter into a a uh, life cycle as disciples that we don't get to pick it, like we don't get to pick out of, right? Like this will happen to all of us because it happens to Jesus, right? So this is our life cycle. We're called to be obedient to God, 
and to submit to God. Y'all agree with that? Jesus was called to what? Obey God's will, submit to God's will. In the garden, Jesus prayed, hey, listen, God, my will is I want to be out of this. This is going to be real bad in a couple of days. Please get me out. But not my will, even though my will is easier, my will is less painful, my will is a quick answer, your will be done. What do we see Jesus doing? He's submitting to the Father. And in that same fashion, we are called to obey and submit to God. If you don't do this first, nothing else is going to be able to be done in your life. If you don't say, God, it's your way, not my way, we will, we will always be struggling and wrestling with our flesh because we're saying, God, I, I, I still want to be alive to me. And he's saying, no, be obedient and submit to me. So we, we obey God. In doing so, we then, we die to ourselves. Is Jesus going, not my will, your will be done, right? It's the Apostle Paul saying to us, hey, you've been brought with a price. Like, you don't belong to you. And then it's, all right, cool. I've died in my personal stuff. Like, I'm dying now to the way of the world. I can't be a part of the world system the way other people are who don't know Jesus, right? I got to say, listen, I could do this and go here and live there and work there and make that money or buy that house. I can do all these things, right? But, like, ultimately, it is my job, your job to, like, to die to our own way. My way was love them so much. And I was see like, God, you know I love them. But like Knoxville is home. It's comfortable. Ain't no hard work. To, like I'm here. I'm home. Like it's, it's just easy. I can stay here. And it's like, actually, but no. I need to die to myself and to the way of the world, the voice of those who are trying to tell me, oh, stay here because we love you. And like, no, that I can't. I can't. I got to die to you and to me so I can obey Spirit of God. And then from us dying to ourselves and the way of the world, which simply means, God, I'm going to give you your way in my life and, like, I'm going to not be a part of the world system. I won't be a liar. I won't be a cheat. I'll have integrity. I'll be someone who's honorable. I'll be a person of my word. I'll be a person of prayer. I'll be a person of kindness. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a disciple as you send me into the word. And then we are sent into the world to do the kingdom work. Jesus is sent. He'll say in a minute, as, as, as you have sent me, I am sending them. Once again, right, we are identified with Christ. His life is in our life, and what happens to him, what happened to us, so on and so forth. Y'all starting to see the whole dance he's doing here with his prayer? So it says, it says as you sent me, I send them. So we have been sent to this world to do kingdom work. I said a moment ago, it is a knockout, dragout fight. If you think if we think we're going to go into the world, hear me what I'm saying. Hear, hear what I'm saying between what I'm saying, right? Remember, people don't know. Um, if we're going to go into any community and say we're going to plant churches and preach the gospel and love families and, and be Christ's hands and feet and, like, be a healthy church and, like, be a love. If we think for a moment that won't be a fight, we are highly delusional. If we think, if you think that being a diverse church, right, in a segregated world, in a polarized world, is going to be a piece of cake, we are highly delusional. So we're, we're sent, though, even still into the world and to literally give our lives completely to the gospel. Like, giving everything we have for the gospel. So Jesus at that point, literally, the dude dies, right? He dies, he's gone, it's over. Like, but he's raised to life. And what happens? He goes back to the kingdom. He goes back, he goes home. He's like he's ushered into glory, right? He's now forever in glory. And so for you and me, like, all, this whole process is beautiful because when it's all said and done, like, you will be eternally forever, like, experiencing and seeing for yourself firsthand what we're talking about this morning. Well, you'll go, Phew. on earth, God, it was hard to say no to this, 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 but now that I can see clearly and fully, wow, were you worth it. The glory of God is always better than the tricky, fast ways of humanity. Always. 
So when you're in the midst of life, like, oh, man, this is kind of hard. But when you come out of stuff, it's like, man, God, I would have no other way than your way. Because having you is better than having any worldly possession or any worldly uh, uh, fame or fortune or, like, popularity. Because this is our life cycle, which is kind of like, man, it's kind of rough, right? I'm obeying God, submitting to God. I got to die to myself and my plan and my way and my world. Oh, man. I got to die to the way of the world. I can't just be about the world's way. I, I, I gotta, then I'm like caught into the world to like tell them, hey, you're dying of sin. Like come to Jesus. Like, man, this is really, really, really looking rough on me, right? And like, but ultimately, one day you'll die and be called home. And you won't regret for one moment what God called you to do on earth. So while it's hard now, it'll be hard. it can be hard and glorious. I can guarantee in any moment now, it'll be hard <laughs> and glorious, right? But, but I found even that, hey, it, this is really glorious. Like, God, this is beautiful. And you're amazing. Your way is better. So let's just, like, take a minute and just pause and think and breathe in this and see this. And Jesus knows that this is heavy to even hear, right? And he lived it. This is why he's praying for us. In his first-person voice, first-person experience, he's praying for us that way. Our life is the same life that Jesus lived. Our way has to be his way. We have to have our life engulfed in, wrapped around in the life of Jesus Christ. The experience of Jesus will be our experience. The pressure of Jesus will be our pressure. The, the suffering of Jesus will be our suffering. And the glory of Jesus will be our glory as well. This is what the dance that, G, that John is doing, uh, John, Jesus is doing in John 17. So now, moving forward, let's jump to verse number, go back to 15 for me real fast. Back to 15. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. So in looking at that verse, and looking at um, knowing that we are called to be in the world, not of the world, right? Um, I want to just talk about Satan for a moment, because he has two tricks. Two. The only two, they, they, they dress them up differently, but they have two tricks. One, to flat out lie to us. Number two, to lure us in, right, and romance us into disobeying Jesus. One is like, hey, man, do this. Or like, you can have this. And like, he's just lying. And two is like, hey, I'm so, I just want to massage this idea in your heart and your mind to see what you'll do. So I'm going to give you perfect examples of this. Um, Adam and Eve, right? He just lies. He just lies. Like, oh, God knows, like, you're not, you're, you're not going to die. God's not telling you the truth. You're not going to die. Like, like, eat it. You'll be like God. He's simply just lying. He's lying. Like, flat out lying. Same thing for us. Oh, you get hurt again if you go, if you go there, man. Uh, churches, on, churches are the same way everywhere. That's what happened in church. Like, you crazy? You're going like, to move your family somewhere together? Like, you must be bugging out. It's a flat-out lie. Right? In the luring. You got a house here. <laughs> your school's already, like, you, everything's already established here. There's no hard work. You're not finding new doctors for your kids or a new school. You're not finding anything. You know, everything is just here. It's, it's the lure of, like, guys, be here. Be passive. Keep doing landscaping. <laughs> like, just don't preach the gospel, whatever you do, right? It's the luring of comfort. The luring of deception, but he is lying. He wants them to see Adam and Eve, right? There's something better than what God has given you right now. If you do this, disobey him, you'll find out that, that this is better than what God has. He's simply a liar. And so when it comes to struggles and temptations and desires of our heart and our mind, like, we have to be very prayerful and discerning of God. Is this you or is this the enemy trying to lie to me or lure me away from what you have for me? Might be adoption. You should adopt kids. I don't do that. It's going to be too hard. You're going to get a terrible kid. Like, they're going to be all traumatized and beat up and they're going to punch holes in your walls and ruin your family's name and they're going to, like, right, run your bills up. Possibly, right? But like, but it's the luring of like, it's going to be terrible. Like, there's no joy in that. Like, you're going to suffer forever with this kid or these kids. or the, I mean, like, why would you do it to yourself? That's a lie. 
So what will happen is when you obey, like, you'll grow in crazy ways. And you'll go, God, that was really hard. Some days be like, man, thank you for that. Last 18 months, you know my story. My wife and I, we've, like, we've had the best marriage over the last 18 months with everything going wrong than we've ever had when everything was smooth sailing. Like, legit, like, like, as they say, thicker than thieves, right? Like, like, a level of um, intimacy emotionally, relationally, conversationally that I thought, as a man, I could never accomplish. Why? Because God let some crazy stuff happen. We found out, oh, you're giving me gifts, giving us gifts. I miss the pain. God calls into something that may be hard. Yes, it's hard, but also it's full of gifts. And otherwise, if you don't embark on the journey, you won't get them. As you keep denying whatever failure you had, like, you won't see the gift you God's trying to give you, right? You keep saying, no, I'm going to go this way, go that way. Like, it's going to be, but you're not going to see what God wants to do in your life. So obeying is much easier, and in, in, well, it's not easy, it's, it's much more fruitful than going against what God wants. And the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right. I don't know what time it is. We've been up for a while. All right. I'm trying to wrap it up, right? Y'all still good? Y'all still with me? All right. Sweet. All right. I don't know where to go now. Let's see. Give me one second. This is a big, big chapter that Scott told me to preach in, in one Sunday. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right. Here we go. There we go. Bang. Thank you, Jesus. Last part. We're going to jump into John. Let's jump down to verses number 20 and 21, and we'll land the plane here as we um, think about this weekend overall with our conference and the prayer of this church. I don't ask you for these only, but for also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is So that's like super fun. Y'all see that? I was praying for them right now. But there are people, neighbors, co-workers, teachers, friends, enemies, doc- like, like who will believe in him through who? Through who? Through who? That's like really fun. Like one, one, like this is why I love Jesus so much. Like I was dying in my sin, like drowning in my sin, like going to hell for eternity. You came, took on my sin, my shame. You, were, you died for me, took my punishment in my place, came out of the grave, and then you called me to know that and be free of sin, free of death, give me a real life on earth, and like called me then to preach on top of that and say, hey, come join the party. That's incredible. When we've gone from, from being real, right, from feeling worthless and, and unusable and dirty, and, and, like, like, and he said, no, 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 I have something for you. Again, we're called to jump in the dance of the Trinity, right? What is God doing? He's saving the world. He's showing his glory off. And he's saying, hey, I'm choosing to do it through you guys. We get to work with the Father. And that's our chief job, right? Told Adam, hey, man, you need the animals. I can do it, but I want you to be a part of it. Whatever you call them, Adam, they'll be called. And Adam said, raccoon. Possum, zebra, I don't know how, like you mean? And that's what their names are. Dad, what do you think of? Well, the name came from Adam. Yeah, you see Genesis, and right? And he's saying the same thing. He's like, I'm, I'm saying, you jump in, and you be a vessel of my glory that the light of the world might shine. People are going to believe New Harvest City. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. Verse 21. Are they all, are they may all be one, just as Father, you are, uh, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. There's a dance again. We're called to be engulfed in the eternal dance of the Trinity. That the world may believe you have sent me. We can pause right there. When it comes to unity, comes to diversity, comes to multi-ethnicity, you can put any title you want to put on it. Whatever you want to put on it. The big deal of that is not simply what we can see tangibly with our eyes, but the fact that it's based off of the oneness of the Trinity. 
who were saying, like, are you successful? Like, are we doing good? Like, okay, well, is the Trinity doing okay? Like, like what's going on with them? And if we're basing, if we're, if we're called to, like, reflect that or they have as one within ourselves, we got to always go, hey, how do we look like them? I've never heard the Father to the Holy Spirit gossip about Jesus. Did you know, Holy Spirit, he's in the garden. He told me he wanted me to, like, give him, get him out of it. That wimp, never, not once, right? You never hear Jesus go to the Holy Spirit. Father is a wild one. He just has it all easy up here. Sent me down there, do the hard work. He's up here, and he gets all the glory. You don't, they're, not, they're not disunified. Never. They're never fighting. They're never in agreement. They're, they're never splintered. They're always on the same page 24-7, and they do it in perfect unity, and they do it in perfect diversity. The Father's not the Son. The Son's not the Holy Spirit, and vice versa, right? The Father is the Father, the Son is the Son, and the Spirit is the Spirit, and they all agree, hey, as a team, we are phenomenal, and we're killing it. They honor each other's role in the Godhead, celebrate each other's role in the Godhead. They're never at odds with each other, and so when we're thinking about our life and being polarized and like, like we are called to reflect that oneness. So what do you do in a polarizing world, polarizing world when you have different viewpoints, different backgrounds, different po- voting parties, different, just everything, right? Look at Trinity again, right? Bible says that the Holy Spirit does what? He gives gifts as he sees fit. It's not being, um, there is no micromanagement by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Well, you got to give Scott that because uh, you, Scott's my God, so give Scott this, right? No, the Spirit, in his diverse role within the Trinity, is doing his thing, and the Father and the Son go, you got that right, man. Like, ooh, we like that. Right? So even when it comes to diversity, right, we're still going, God, what do you look like in this area? So we can have different opinions. We can have different political affiliations. We can have different cultural backgrounds. We can have different everything, right? We can have different everything, legit, different everything, and still be one in Jesus. Where I don't fight you, you don't fight me, and when by God's mercy and by God's grace, no matter what time of year it is, or what's hot on the news or on the newspaper or what the economy's doing, we can look together and say, hey, bro, I love you. I respect you. I get it. I honor what you believe in. We're different here, but ultimately, dude, those things are not eternal. What eternal is, work of God in our lives. I'm with you. I'm for you. This is silly. Why are we fighting? We're being disobedient to God's word, and we're being flat out dumb wasting our time. Look at me and go, my man. <laughs> Same thing. I love you. You're my boy. We're different. I don't get to be like, like, ultimately, these heaven and earth will pass away. It's word of God, right? So it's like uh, Solomon said, vanity of vanities. I love Ecclesiastes. It's so freeing to me. Like, it doesn't matter anyway, dude, because like, <laughs> it's all going, it's like, going to go anyway, right? Like, vanity, like, it's all vanity. Except this one thing he said, that we fear God, keep his commandments. End of the day, <laughs> it doesn't. It's important now because we're in this, like, we live a human life, right? So, like, it, it does affect things, right? It does. It does. Not like, oh, well, it's all, but, like, when you weigh it against eternity and against the word of God, and if we were actually honest with ourselves, historically throughout the, the existence of humanity, from the first man and woman to us and those who will be, our fights are full of flesh. Our fights are full of flesh. They are full of flesh. They're full of self-centeredness. They're full of arrogancy. They're full of everything we put up a minute ago, what it means not to be a disciple. Jesus. It means that we are God, and because we think we're God, we're all fighting to be God, right? And what's happening? Churches divided. The gospel (laughs) becomes darkened. And Satan goes, man, isn't this great? 
economy is stressed again. They've seen the Great Depression, and it was real. And they've seen God bring them through that, but they're still freaking out about this whole thing here. Like, like, like it's great. Like, we got them again. Scared of the same thing that we had them scared of however many years ago. But he wants. So when it comes down to it, what we fight about, as important as they may be in our personalities and feelings and thoughts, it's, it's rubbish to read Paul's words. Not being obedient to God, am I rubbish? You were comfortable for what reason? What did you gain by being comfortable? I gained nothing. But I've learned, actually, I've done myself a disservice. I'm going around the block the long way. <laughs> right? So these things steal life from us. They don't give life to us. Ultimately, family, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. Right? If he's the God of this world, of uh, 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 absent of Jesus and absent of the church, and the goodness that we bring into the world, the world is crappy. Nothing good comes out of the world. So literally, like, we are God's legit gift to the world. We can proclaim Jesus Christ. So he's praying, God, make them one. Now, I want to just wrap up with this last thought about oneness. Keep going. There he is, right there. Mom, Mom you're good. I like you. You're good. Um, <laughs> Oneness is not simply we have a shared interest. We have a common goal, though. Not simply a common goal, we hope for a common outcome. Not just a common outcome, but a common process. Not just a common process, but a common ideology and philosophy. He likes baseball and sports. I put it this way. Oneness is to wear the same jersey and never take it off. And never get traded to a different team. And never say, oh, man, I got a better deal over this. I'm going to hang with them. No, it's wearing the same jersey and never taking it off. I belong to him, so I belong to you. You belong to him, so you belong to me. We're in it together, and we belong to each other. And that's why God wanted it to be and how God is glorified within the church. Why? Because within himself, they're wearing the same jersey. <laughs> Father belongs to the Son, and the Son belongs to the Father, and the Spirit belongs to the Father, and the Spirit belongs to the Son, and the Son belongs to the Spirit, right? And they go, this is the way it should be. Because this brings the most glory to us, to them. So we want to pray. Verse, give me verse 20, I think, 2, real fast again. 23. Ultimately, Jesus is not just saying, I want them to be a diverse church. I want them to be whatever. He's saying, give me one more verse. One more. All right, it's not another one. I thought it was. Keep going. All right, let me actually read it here. I think it's like 23. Let me see. My notes can get a little combined. Welcome to me being one of your... You know the word. Verse 23, here it is. I and them, and you and me, they may become perfectly one. Here's why. The big picture. So the world may know you sent me, you sent me, you sent me. Us being on the same team, wearing the same jersey, and taking it off, it screams to a dying world, Jesus is real. He is the Messiah. He is the way, the truth, and life. He is salvation and hope and joy and truth and love and grace. He's everything you're looking for. And he says, Father, let them be one because it tells the world the work of the gospel is real. 
It's trustworthy. It's dependable. In church, we carry that burden. No excuses. I'm praying for us that our life will be lived as a mirror of Jesus and as an extension of Jesus' life in our life, in our lifetime. Let me pray for us. You're good, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. You're so faithful. You're so kind. I pray for a deep measure of grace amongst us that makes us one as you are one with the Son and the Spirit. I pray that we would be a place of hope and light and joy, a place where the nations come and are refreshed by you, Jesus. I pray for whatever barriers are in the big C church, you break them. I pray anything in our local church, in our local gathering, in our local context, God, in Iowa City, you would destroy them immediately. We can go forth, proclaim the gospel. I pray you would keep us and guard us from from envy and strife and malice and all those things that we call, by what we call, of the flesh. Give us hearts of love and grace and joy and long-suffering and wisdom and patience. God, I pray the fruit of the Spirit would be so thick in here. It would be evident Christ is alive and among them. May the lost come running to find you here. May the broken come running to find you here. May the wounded and needy come running to find you. And may the prodigals come running to be reunited with you again here. I pray this for your glory, good of your kingdom, and good of your church. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.